Welcome back to Seattle Sucks, a podcast about hating the city that we love. It's me, I'm Colin, I'm here with Greg, and I think Greg, you're on the floor, right? Okay. You can confirm Greg is on the floor. All He's right. tapping the floor with his finger. That's well, how he communicates now. Well, thank you, Brian. How are you doing? Uh, Colin, honestly, doing bad. Oh, <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, um... I won my fantasy team, uh, just got the shit kicked out of it because I had Carson Wentz on my fantasy team and the other person had DK Metcalf. So that went well today. But football, my beloved pastime, my beloved sport, had uh, its most awful showing (laughs) and maybe most entertaining (laughs) showing this week uh, when the Denver Broncos were unable to field a single quarterback because all four of their quarterbacks had COVID-19 <laughs> and the NFL forced them to play the game anyway. COVID stay winning. <laughs> with, yeah, with a wide receiver at quarterback. And if you're curious what it's like to have a wide receiver that hasn't thrown a pass since 2017 when he was in college, what it's like to have him quarterback your team. Uh, this young man's name was Kendall Hinton. He was on the practice squad, meaning he had not even been in a team meeting until uh, the Saturday before the game, the day before the game. (laughs) (laughs) And he went one for nine for 13 yards and two interceptions, which is quite a feat. And uh, and honestly, I just feel bad for the guy. Uh, That shit sucks. (laughs) That's awful. It was so funny, too, because the the Broncos coaching staff like refused to give him easy passes to like, you know, you could do little short screen passes uh-huh. or just, you know, little six yard slants, things like that. Right. Refused to do any of that. They're like, no, you fucking bomb that shit down the field. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Saints defensive backs were like, when they were intercepting the ball, were like, you could tell they were laughing, like as they were, ca- <laughs> as they were like intercepting the passes. Like it was, one of the most awful things ever put on uh, television and all thanks to the greed of the NFL <laughs> who refused to take the hit by delaying the game. Well, now hang on. And uh, COVID-19. <laughs> hang on now. Like, isn't that just good sportsmanship? Like, shouldn't they have just played the game? Like, if we're going to go through this, like, insane charade in this country of trying to, like, hyper-normalize COVID so where we're just, like, going on about our lives, like... Isn't that the right? Isn't that the the sportsmanlike thing to do in that scenario? Is just to play the game. Uh, well, that was the excuse that was given. Sure, by yeah, I buy that. The NFL and I mean, others. Um, this is then- a stupid country. It's terrible that we're pretending this doesn't exist, and football is dumb. So, like, <laughs> in, in, inside of that logic, like, it makes sense. They should have played. <laughs> well, some people, yeah, <laughs> some people pointed out that. Uh, when people pointed to that and said, hey, this is just like any other injury, you got to play, uh, other people pointed out, well, that's interesting because the Baltimore Ravens have 22 players right now with COVID-19 on the team, and their game got delayed day after. It's now been delayed three times and will be played on Wednesday so that they can attempt to field a team, <laughs> which they also won't be able to on Wednesday. Okay, But you so, might ask... yeah. Why does one team get three delays and the other team just has to play on their given day? And the answer is 
The Baltimore Ravens are a playoff bound team with Super Bowl aspirations and a star quarterback that people want to watch. And uh, the Denver Broncos are awful and nobody likes them. <laughs> well, so the Denver, so it sounds like the Ravens, you know, for that reason, put up a fight and the Broncos were like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's play. <laughs> Which again, good. I good on them for the sportsmanship of that. Uh, also, you know, you've been complaining about this all evening, Brian, but I, I think you should consider yourself like incredibly lucky to have witnessed such a, an incredible football spectacle. Well, I mean, when are you ever going to see something so uh, absurd as that? Uh, you, you're blessed. You're blessed. Yeah, it, it's truly uh, fascinating. And it also, I, I think you're right, Greg, in a sense, as much as I hate to say it. But I mean, this is exactly what I posted on Twitter, too, is, is that this is just the, sh- you know, the charade, right? We're, this is the charade we're living through. Is we're just going to pretend like everything's normal when, uh, you know, I mean, that was the whole reason why they started football again was, well, I mean, besides the TV contracts, the actual reason, but the, the supposed social good was that, you know, this is how we get the country back to normal in this crisis. And, you know, this is going to help people through the crisis. You, you get a million, you know, comments on it during the games that they're helping people through the crisis by playing football again. And it's like, No, this is just uh, our everyday life where we just pretend nothing's happening, even though right in front of our eyes, the stupidest fucking thing in the world is happening. (laughs) Well, the real takeaway for me is this, like what you opened with, Brian, and the thing you've actually been complaining about all night is how fucked you are in your fantasy league, which just tells me like the lesson there is that football is so fucking incredibly boring that to be able to <laughs> to watch it you have to like be also playing a game within the game that has like uh like social interaction and stakes uh all completely independent of football itself uh greg thanks for being the first person to notice that sports have interactivity with the fans and whatnot uh <laughs> but yeah no, football is incredibly fun to watch. Uh, not so much fun to watch when a practice squad wide receiver is having to start on a team. Why, like, why even watch the game? And if the Denver Broncos had any fucking balls at all, what they would have done is just not taken the field <laughs> and just told the NFL to go fuck itself and just not give it anything. Or as I saw somebody had posted, which was the smart move, which they should just kneeled every fucking play and made it even more unwatchable. But of course, that's not the world that's, uh, that we live in. That's well, on what based on like what political valence, like just again, because just in the terms of the like what to the dignity of football and them as players. No, the opposite is true. They the, again, the sportsmanlike thing was to go on and play the game to the best of their abilities. If you're talking about like like some kind of organ- organized uh, conscious like political statement, like I mean, what country and sport are we talking about here? You know. Yeah, I mean, well, th- yeah, that's the point, right? And I mean, the the statement for the players that they should have made was that it's not worth risking serious, horrifying injury to, again, engage in just a obvious charade that is only exists. The only reason this game happened was so that the NFL didn't have to pay a penalty to whatever network was granted the rights to that game. Like that basically is the entire reason for that game happening because people want their football. And could you imagine? I don't think there was any serious injuries in the game, but could you imagine if you like blew your fucking knee out and ruined your career in that fucking 
debacle. That's yeah, like disaster. any other game, Brian. Yeah. I mean, at least in the other games, you're, I guess, playing for something. But this is, you basically forfeited, but when you took the field, you forfeit. Basically, the second you took Again, the field, you're sportsmanship. Right. I keep coming back to this. Like, does this mean nothing to you? These people, these men went out there, they had dignity and they played. Well, you can't take that away from them, Brian. In college football, they showed sportsmanship and the Wisconsin-Minnesota game, the longest continual rivalry in college football history, dating back to 1890, uh, was canceled. Paul Bunyan's axe. Who knows who will have it this year? Because uh, too many people at both schools have COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that's the lesson to me is if you don't want to play your game, then it's time to have some COVID parties. Time for a smooch fest in the yeah. locker room. But yeah, it's uh it's it's getting I mean we're 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 all living this fantasy that everything's okay and that we aren't living through just an absolute enormous catastrophe. And it is kind of funny <laughs> to see it kind of tear at the seams in these in these sort of uh products like, you know, it, you know, the NFL and things like that, where you have a team, you know, with a fifty-four man roster that has twenty-two players with COVID <laughs> on it. You know, like it is it is entertaining to see this and be like, oh, I'm not crazy. Everything is a giant disaster. But I guess we're just going to play through it. As as Greg says, yeah. we're going to be sportsmen about it. <laughs> we're just going to play just like America is, is, <laughs> is sportsman like about COVID. We're taking our L's and we're playing through it. Well, that wasn't uh, the only bad news. Just kidding. No, some good news happened this week, too. Uh, I saw this article in the Stranger. Oh, struggling to find it now. This article is headlined: "The Martial Law Band Takes the Spirit of Chop to the Nation." And so we're excited to hear that one. That band that used to play at the Chop uh, is a, a, like a functional outfit, I guess. I just thought it was randos going up on stage. Everything's uh, got to start somewhere, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're. T- the awfully named Marshall Law Band, and I think their album's called Twelfth and Pine. I don't know if I can get behind any of this, but they are putting out an album. I hate all music, so I guess I'm not the critic to respond to this. But as the stranger said, they have taken the spirit of the chop to the nation. So basically, you know, the first, you know, place that we know of to answer the call of the Marshall Law Band. Uh, was Max Pub on Staten Island in New York, who's declared itself an autonomous zone so that it does not have to abide by the COVID restrictions uh, that the state of New York and the city of New York have placed on them. Hmm. And as Fox News and interviewing the, as the owners said, uh, they've taken a page of the Seattle playbook and declared themselves an autonomous zone. Checkmate, Governor Cuomo. <laughs> now... This is very funny for a variety of reasons in that uh, I don't think that they, because they saw this all on Fox News, they're unaware of what the autonomous zone was actually like, which means being attacked by the police about every three hours every day <laughs> that you're in existence. Um, but, you know, good on them, I guess, for taking up the spirit and uh, creating their own anarchist, uh, syndicalist autonomous zone inside uh, the police hellhole that is Staten Island. Now, one thing that I will say is that as much as these guys are kind of funny to make the laugh at, make fun of, and that little video of them on Fox News is funny, uh, they are right in a way. Like, they are getting fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're not wrong. (laughs) 
they might be wrong to open up, but they're not wrong that they're getting into like fucked. That they have no choice. That they have, are yeah faced with bad choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now these people, you know, these are probably like the worst kind of small business tyrants. They probably oh, have treated their employees like complete shit. In traditional New York or in traditional Staten Island fashion, it's run by a Irish American and an Italian American, which means this place was already going to go under for gambling debts and you know <laughs> alcoholism. <laughs> but, but again, that being said, like they make this comment where they say, "Hey, we see a lot of stores that are a lot bigger than us that have a lot more people than us, where people are allowed to just roam around in there, but for some reason we have to close." Yeah, and of course, yeah, the, it's easy to say, "Yeah, the some reason is people have their masks off and are eating in your restaurant," mm-hmm. and that's true. But it does; it's still true that at the end of the day, like p- these people are seeing the absolute, the the like bald contradictions uh, and just like lunacy in our response to all this and it doesn't make sense to them and they're feeling fucked by it and they're right because you know could be doing what every other developed country in the world is doing which is paying restauranters to stay closed because you know ostensibly we want to have a society after this that includes restaurants (laughs) and yet right now we need to not have them so uh but you know they're they're not making up the they're they're not getting that help right so uh yeah i mean no sympathy for these well i'm sure just absolute shitheads well they're on staten island so shitheadness <laughs> confirmed yeah <laughs> but uh listen this is the this is this is similar to so the biggest news in uh, our covid hell i think like the last week is that the supreme court weighed in on again this is directly uh in new york um the first case this was made news because you know for a lot of reasons including this the first case from uh amy kobe bryant uh an actual decision that she sat in on uh as far as i know and basically the someone sued uh you know there was a big crackdown on um, religious services being held in New York and, you know, they were fining this Jewish synagogue that uh, had held this massive wedding that people were shitting on the pictures of. Of course, you know, it's like a Hasidic synagogue that was just like enor- like a, like a stadium-sized synagogue mm-hmm. filled with people in matching clothes for, for a wedding, um, maskless, you know. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that shit, shit sucks, but uh, so the Supreme Court can't wait in uh somebody sued whatever i don't know the details of the case really but the supreme court weighed in and it went five to four with roberts uh politically citing against it they found in favor of the of these churches that want to stay open uh on first amendment grounds and i'll read just a brief passage from the from gorsuch's uh it begins that at the church of moloch we all I'll agree. <laughs> Must stay open. Okay, so this is Gorsuch in the opinion uh, in favor of the churches. At the same time, the governor has chosen to oppose no capacity restrictions on certain businesses he considers, quote, essential. And it turns out the businesses the governor considers essential include hardware stores, acupuncturists, and liquor stores, bicycle repair shops, certain signage companies, accountants, lawyers, and insurance agents are all essential, too. So at least according to the governor, it 
may be unsafe to go to church, but it is always fine to pick up another bottle of wine, shop for a new bike, or spend the afternoon exploring your distal points and meridians. <laughs> Who knew public health would so perfectly align with secular convenience? And as almost everyone on the court today recognizes, squaring the governor's edicts with our traditional First Amendment rules is no easy task. People may gather inside for extended periods in bus stations and airports, in laundromats and banks, in hardware stores and liquor shops. No apparent reason exists why people may not gather subject to identical restrictions subject to identical restrictions in churches or synagogues, especially when religious institutions have made plain that they stand ready, able, and willing to follow all the safety precautions required of essential businesses, and perhaps more besides. The only explanation for treating religious places differently seems to be a judgment that what happens there just isn't as, quote, essential as what happens in secular spaces. Yeah, and I think basically... That whole statement is is actually correct, right? Except yeah. for except for one point, right? Which is the unsaid part, which is what goes on in the church is unessential because it's not part of the economy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and that that's what <clears throat> this really has all been about is that uh, you know Black Friday can't be marred, right? You know that we got to keep people going into stores and buying shit because we refuse to do what other countries have done, which is pay people to stay home. Yeah, you know? yeah. So like. It, these people are like an insane conservative cult. They are Catholic reactionary American psychos. Um, and they are motivated, as a lot of people have pointed out. I mean, this is a lot of the response to it, right? Is like, oh, they're these crazy Catholics on the court. They're just motivated by their wacky religious dogmas mm -hmm. and their like culture war politics. And yeah, this is absolutely true. Of course they are. Yeah. They are fucking high-fiving each other. Like being able to like do a real serious like First Amendment like smackdown on uh, New York State and by extension anyone else who tries to do this in the country on like real like strict First Amendment religious grounds like about the state like limiting the right to peaceably gather like for religious purposes like they all went home and got sloppy head from their trad spouses, right? Like this is like, this, this is making their day. They all got little medals at their op next like Opus Dei ceremony. This is what they're about. Okay. But it doesn't, but that's because that's the country we live in. Like the, the reason they're right is because look, also the constitution is stupid. I'm, I don't, I think it sucks. And I think the Supreme court should be abolished, but there are two basic uh, readings of the provisions for religion, the first amendment, you know, the, the text is something, the effect of Congress shall pass no law respecting the establishment of religion. There are two basic readings of that. One is that, you know, government cannot infringe upon religious institutions in any way. Another is that, and a much better, uh, sane and workable and good interpretation would be that, government cannot specifically impose uh, itself on religious institutions, a single them out with rules or legislation that apply only to them in a prejudicial way. Uh, that's the more reasonable interpretation of the first amendment religious provision in, in practice in America. We have like a mishmash that is because all of this is politically contested and always has been. And so we have like compromises. So the fact that we have like the broad separation of church and state, which is just one element of possible, you know, 
implication for the First Amendment that is, is sort of been balanced out politically by the dumb thing that churches don't have to pay taxes. Basically, they were bought off for the separation of church and state. That's sort of been the agreement broadly over the over American history, where a better interpretation, as it is sometimes in some cases interpreted, would be that of course churches have to pay taxes because you because not having them not pay taxes is singling them out, right? Is a special treatment, is a special consideration. So yes, this is religious bullshit. And yeah, of course it's bad. Of course it's bad that now all these churches are going to feel emboldened to go out and like hold services full force, whatever. Um, and they're going to be backed up by the Supreme court, but you want to get pissed about this. Like, again, it's like everything else it comes down to. Don't get mad at the fucking conservatives. They're just doing their thing in, in our awful system. Like you want to get pissed off, get pissed off at the democratic governors who are, supposedly at the forefront of fighting COVID, but are actually doing nothing because this whole argument that Gorsuch is making here is based on the more reasonable interpretation of the first amendment in this case, that government can't specifically single out religious institutions in a specific way. And he's arguing pretty convincingly that that is in effect what's going on because the overall response to COVID in specifically in the like closures mandated by uh, these states is so scant and small and uh, performative that the churches make up a big part of it. And you, and there's no, there's no good argument for why that is because the, the sort of like, just go along with it. You know, we're, yeah, we're doing the science here. Like we're the, the, smart liberal technocrats, Jay Inslee and governor Cuomo doing the science here argument. If you don't, you know, is just like, don't think about it because it's like, look, yeah, we're not really locking down the economy. We're not sending people home from work. We're just doing, we've accepted. We're not going to do any of that. We're not going to close down the entire economy, pay people to stay home and do all the testing and contract tracing that we would need to be able to reopen safely again. We're not, we're not going to do that. So you just have to buy that we're going to perform the most obvious, the most heinous things that obviously we we do have to lock down because they're absurd, our restaurants, and then anything else that we can show that we're locking down because as you said, it doesn't, we can get away with it without it being like, uh, without affecting the economy too badly, like churches that again, as Gorsuch is basically saying, don't like fall into in the liberal imagination of the liberal secular imagination. Like don't rank as essential or important. He's not wrong there. Right. So the, the problem here is that we're not doing enough. So this argument actually makes perfect sense because we aren't, we're barely doing anything. This such that closing down these churches is actually like a huge part of what is being asked for in places like New York. Yeah. And it's basically, Every state is basically in the in their effort to look like they're doing something while actually mm-hmm. doing nothing is moving to just shut down the political you know groups that they feel mm-hmm. least affect them personally, right? So Cuomo probably feels like ah, if we shut down the churches or whatever, that doesn't have like a huge political impact on me, right? Whereas in Texas, the first thing is always to shut down the bars, right? And that was a joke because it's an unsympathetic group of people, right? 
you know, like yeah. close all the bars, right? Has almost no impact on the economy. And the people who get hurt by it are unsympathetic. And, you know, maybe you'll take that side that it, they are unsympathetic characters, maybe like the people in the Staten Island bar or whatever, unsympathetic characters. But the thing is, is they're right when they point out that there is no difference between, you know, uh, what they do and what other groups that are allowed to stay open do, right? And, you know, Gorsuch even says, like, look, you can impose limits on the churches and tell them that they people have to have their masks on, and you can impose limits on how many people can be in the church, right? But you can't just tell them to shut down, right? And then leave all this other shit open. Yeah. And it, and it is, it just speaks to the scattershot method or approach to uh, the COVID crisis, which is all about looking like you're doing something while actually doing as little as humanly fucking possible in order to keep the, you know, the economy sort of rolling, right? And uh, it's been a giant disaster. And, you know, to the extent that, like, oh, people are at church for a longer period of time, unlike the person who goes to Carl's Jr. or whatever, well, yeah, the customer at Carl's Jr. might get through quickly. What about all the poor fucks in the back, you know? They're in there doing eight and ten hour shifts, right? You know, uh, what about the humans that actually for months for months on end while we haven't actually gotten this under control, right? Because that's the other part. It's not just about locking down. Countries that are doing this better have not had to lock down for the last six, seven, eight months. Yeah, they've locked down for short periods and had a lot of other things going on, and they've locked down fully, like to a large degree, and paid people to stay home so that it actually worked in concert with other things like a functioning health system, broad <laughs> testing and contact tracing. But like, we're not doing any of that. And yeah. so, yeah, it is, you know, look, you could throw a counterfactual at this and say, well, like, well, if we were doing all this stuff, uh, like there was a broad response, including broad mm. lockdowns that were, where provisions were made for people to make that actually possible. Like it was an ideal scenario like that. Maybe some, you know, Catholics and his seeds would get together and sue and yeah. maybe all other things being equal, like, you know, Amy Kobe Bryant being on the court, maybe they would rule the exact same way and you maybe use a different argument. I yeah, we'll never know. Okay. Yeah. We'll never know. It doesn't matter. Like <laughs> I, I'm not worried about them. Of course. Yes. The hypothetical fuck these of people. what if we actually fought COVID is you'll never know because you'll never know. You'll never have because they're never trying. And, and again, like, yeah, fuck these people, fuck the Supreme court, fuck yeah. every single one of the people on it, especially. Yeah, sure. I mean, yes, definitely the Catholics also fuck John Roberts who voted against mm -hmm. this. Uh, in with the other three. Yeah, every member of the Supreme Court is bad. Like, like they're all awful human beings. That's why they're on the Supreme Court. <clears throat> so, yeah, fuck all of them. But the point is, and what they're pointing out, is, uh, yeah, this is all bullshit anyway. So... Look, this is such a layup. Down, this is such a not, layup. They're not wrong about this, it. This is an, another element of this, is just the fucking political ineptitude and inadequacy of Democrats like that. They yeah. didn't see this coming that they could be so blind to mm -hmm. like their own, like their own bubbles and like that they couldn't see like the massive fucking like brick wall. They were heading toward trying to close down churches in this country. That's the thing you yeah. can't take fucking lightly and just go like, Hey guys, the science, this like that. That's not how the constitution works. I'm not saying it's good, but like, that's not, a viable strategy to go like, Hey guys, the science says we have, we have to close down yeah. churches. Okay. The scientists are telling me we have to close down churches. Oh yeah. That's going to be a real fucking winner in America. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. But again, I think your point is right, which is in a world where everything was shut down and people were paid to stay home. And basically we just went on a 
30 days, 60 day, whatever lockdown. Mm-hmm. If this court gets to, or this case gets to the Supreme court, it's a lot harder for the Supreme court to turn around and say, Oh, well, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just single churches out because they're not singling churches out at that point. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they have to use a it, different it, it, argument. If they yeah. wanted to pa- to well, do the same thing, they'd have to use a different argument. You would have also established at that point a complete state of emergency. Yeah. Which, which really would have put pressure on the court to basically... To not just, hear the case. Yeah, because they would have to blow up that state of emergency fucking, you know... Uh, call right which you know you would have had to do at every level of government exactly it it would have been politically impossible for them to essentially blow that up but because we'll we'll never know we'll never know but But yeah yes everything you are saying is true this would be a very different scenario and on every level this is a failure of people like andrew cuomo and to be fair for you know all those as a fellow catholic for all those catholics out there I mean, I was baptized. Yeah, we we would follow the rules, right? I mean, we wear the horsehair shirts, so of course we put on a mask. <laughs> <laughs> make it spiky on the inside or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just have to make it like punish them somehow to put the mask on. You know, it have to. What about the Hasids, though? I don't know. We have to get a guest to talk about uh, that cracking that nut. I don't know. Yeah, we'll just have horsehair masks, you know, to go with their horsehair shirts, and everybody's got to walk barefoot to the church. Sure, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, that was cool, but there was some local politics that happened that weren't totally awful as well, right? Well, I mean, yeah, that's maybe that's that's a good place. Not totally awful. So we didn't talk about this last week because we were so busy. Um, actually, we had some plans too, but didn't work out. Um, thanks to everybody for listening to the Thanksgiving extravaganza. By the way, mm-hmm. We know that it made your Thanksgiving go extra well, that whatever your, you know, parents will be talking at the table, you would just turn it up on your phone to your Bluetooth speakers, which you have blasting on your boom box that you had on the table, your Bluetooth speaker that was on your plate instead of the turkey you refused (laughs) to eat. Um, (laughs) Oof, man. Yeah, I didn't go to Thanksgiving. Actually, I didn't go see my family because I went to I worked all the week before. And got notified like on Tuesday or so, or Wednesday maybe, I guess Tuesday, that someone who we had worked with on Friday, the COVID officer, uh, sent out an email saying, oh, someone ended up testing positive. Mind, mind you, we had to get tested. Mm-hmm. Like they paid the company. And I've talked about this before on previous jobs. The company paid for everyone who was working on the job to like two days before or a day before, like within two days before get like a person, they paid a person to come around to where you were in the world and give you a $200 vial to spit in that they took to go get a rapid test that you heard about later that day. Um, but someone still tested positive after the show. So I was quarantined to which my father, when I explained, I was like, I've been working, I've been potentially exposed. It's too risky. His texts were just, huh wow wow meaning not wow that's wild that you may have been exposed and are having to quarantine meaning like the most like exquisite playing dumb like you've Mm. ever witnessed i know this because when i last saw my dad he made a rare trip to seattle uh with his new uh lady friend incidentally (laughs) And they were saying things like, wow, just been seeing a lot of masks around. Everybody's wearing masks. What's that all about exactly? 
<laughs> like I shit you not. Like, like this was like last month. Mm-hmm. Just like, huh? Isn't that interesting? God, uh huh? That's real interesting. Not trying to have like a take on it. Not like being like, oh, what a bunch of sheeple. But just going like, huh? Just like real d- playing dumb. Just like, <laughs> gosh, that huh? Oh, oh, my golly, I, I never. Uh, and so that was the response to like, I'd rather not. I'm the the um the sort of socially conscious thing to do is not infect you, my family, even though. I would like to and would like you to die of COVID uh, if we're honest. Um, the the socially responsible thing for me to do is not like actively do that. So, no, I'm staying home. Um, but uh, that's a bit of a tangent because uh, anyway, thank you. I am I am free and clear. I I I, you know, I got myself hooked up to the e-meter. They say I'm clear. Um, so everything's all good. That, that, that came through. <laughs> yeah, Thetan free. You guys, you guys, Thetan free, Colin? No. No. <laughs> I could have, I could have told you that. I hope I'm. You don't need a, you need an e meter to read Colin's Thetans. It's like humming off of him. Off the charts. Well, luckily, yeah, exactly. Greg got this notification on Tuesday that he might have COVID or been exposed to somebody that had COVID, uh, which. I'm sure he was very groggy when he got this message because, of course, he was at my house on Monday till what three a.m. Oh yeah, recording, recording the Thanksgiving recording the Thanksgiving spectacular, the longest recording session I think we've ever had, uh, just face to face, spitting in each other's mouths. We were that meme from Facebook that's just the two like NPCs just blowing blue and red shit <laughs> at each other. We were that for six hours, and then the next day, Greg's like, "Oh, I can't come by." Uh, to grab some Thanksgiving food because I might have COVID. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks, dude. <laughs> so anyway, we so, would have talked about this last week, but it just didn't make the... There was just wasn't enough time in the three-hour Thanksgiving special <laughs> to talk about the new Seattle city budget passed by the city council for 2021. You guys stoked about this? You guys, uh, you guys hyped? Better than I would have expected. Well, okay, so... The basic gist is this. They, you know, the week before Tammy Morales had put forward a proposal to freeze hiring at SPD that was shot down ultimately. That, you know, people felt felt betrayed by that. Ultimately, I think, you know, it had to do with the fact that they were about to pass this budget. Um, and the budget... The, the like big headline item is cuts 20% from SPD. And that is broadly as these things go true. Uh, of course, it's basically along the lines of the mayor's proposal from like June or whatever, which cuts most of that by transferring uh, whole sections of SPD out of SPD. Good things, but things that, you know, are fraught and not necessarily, um, you know, best. Basically, we things that are good. 911 transfer out of SPD. Uh, parking enforcement transferred out of SPD. That's big. Then uh, other, the Office of Emergency Management. Um, these are now going to be, you know. <laughs> Victim advocacy transferred out of SPD. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty small one anyway, but like, yeah. yes, but it's a, good. A funny one of like, uh, definitely, you know. 
have a police a, a cop is definitely who you want to lean on when you've yeah. been through trauma. So this is this we basically known that always we've known for a long time this was going to happen because this was basically the mayor's proposal um from midsummer. Mm. So because basically as far from the point of view of your lib technocrats they're like fine you don't they're they're not like you know dedicated they don't see themselves as dedicated right-wing fascists right so like they don't need they don't need to like hold the thin blue line like on everything right as they're like to them it's the same thing it's like yeah well we need 911 we don't care they don't they're you know, someone like Jenny's not interested in the fact like of what you can do once you do remove nine one one from SPD. Um, uh, but you know, it, it is an opening. It weakens the power of SPD as an institution slightly. They get less people. They get less money. <clears throat> they have less control over certain things. But it's all in the implementation. We talked about these proposals when they first came up. Yes, it's good. Nine one one should be run on its own terms. With but you know, are they gonna literally not allow any cops in the room ever taking calls? Hopefully, mm-hmm. but like I don't think that's in the budget uh, documents. Um, and what else? You know, are we gonna do all the things? But it allows it gives an opening. Now you can have programs and you can have training and you can have priorities for nine one one dispatchers that do not align with. SPD and its prerogatives. You could do that. That is now a yeah. possibility. It doesn't mean that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean the people who because and, and this is the case with all that. It's very possible that what will happen. Certainly, I think they really need to make a push with the nine one one stuff that these that they they send those cops back to SPD, reassign them in SPD and hire new people, not just transfer the cops like where their paycheck comes from and give them a different badge. Um, That's a real possibility. That could be what happens. They need to not do that. They need to send those people back to SPD, um, reassign them and hire new people. We know that's not what's going to happen with parking enforcement. You know, it's a Mm. bunch of parking enforcement SPD people are going to get transferred over to, uh, you know, executive services or whatever it is that they're, I think that's the department um, for yeah, f- fiscal services. Department, which makes a lot more sense. Maybe that is, no, maybe, okay, maybe it's something else that is that it one. It doesn't part. matter, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, all these groups could just be reconstituted in a different department in exactly the same way that they currently exist, right? Which, you know, which look, would be bad. Oh, look, there's some ways it could be really bad mm-hmm. if, if what you do somehow, how they end up, if what they do is transfer all these people over, but they're still on their police contract. And what you do is like now you have this fiefdom of people working for Department of Transportation who are all ex-cops who still have a radio. They can talk to other cops who are still on a cop union contract that now has employees on it inside of the Department of Transportation. That sucks. There's a lot of ways this could go bad. But again, these are all beginnings for implementation to, you know, to be done by really by a future administration. Uh, you know, this is going to be the first year of it next year, which is going to set a lot of things in stone, which sucks. Like, but what do you do? Um, it does seem, it's kind of hard to parse all this, but it does seem like they, um, 
are have limited. They took specifically money out of the hiring budget and mm-hmm. staffing budget for, uh, so they can't replace anyone. All of their um, like losses, their attrition in 2020. You know all the all the uh, all the casualties. You know that they suffered. All those dead cops. <laughs> they can't rehire new ones. No, like actually, a lot of cops have left Seattle, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know that that stuff is all kind of shaky to me and it doesn't necessarily seem like there aren't ways around it. Um, and how, how strong any of that stuff is or how far reaching it is. Um, they, it did seem like in the measure in the measure as passed, it took away, it cut the, the staff funding down to a level that they wouldn't be able to hire anyone, any new people. And they did also, in addition to that, eliminate, some whole positions that were unfilled at the at the present mm-hmm. moment so that they would not need to be. Yeah. They, they literally struck the money from like funding these vacated positions. I mean, they can't be filled. The other thing that they did, which is important because it just means it's going to be another fight here in about a month or two is they recommended 35 out of order layoffs. Well, I mean, it's right there in the, in, you know, you know, recommend, I mean, yeah. So, but the thing is, is, as is noted in the Stranger article on it, that has to, that the council can't even do that on its own. It has to be negotiated with the police union thanks to the shitty fucking union, the police contract. So, you know, that would have to be a fight that the council would want to have with Spog. Uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, it, it, ultimately, it's going to have to be a fight the fucking administration is going to want to have. Of course, they do, mm-hmm. the thing is, the they do have to, rene- they do have to renegotiate the contract coming up. So... You know that that is going to be an opportunity if they. That's the real thing here. That so they these are first steps. This isn't a bad first step in a budget in a new budget that moves all this stuff out. It makes it possible to do a few other things. If they now take this momentum into like best case, they take this into the Spog renegotiation and say this is a new ball game. You have to eat a bunch of shit, including we're getting rid of a bunch of the worst cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to eat that. Are they going to do that? I don't know. Is any of this going to matter? Because, you know, it's not, you know, it's not anything super inspiring. It's just sort of, it's baby steps basically. And it is basically the mayor's plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's obviously not enough. It's not going to do what the 50% demand, you know, would have done, which was significantly break the power of the police department over the yeah. city. It's not going to do that. No. So that, that's out the window. But uh, it is something when I think nothing was what was previously on the table. Now we'll see what happens. Now, the one thing to note, though, is as the economic crisis gets worse here, especially since the Biden administration and its cabinet picks has shown every intent to go full austerity, just like just like everybody said would happen under a Biden administration. But whatever has shown every intent to, intention to go full austerity is that you're going to see a lot of cities, you know, cut police budgets. Right. And they could frame it in a way of like, uh look, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, because of Black Lives Matter, because of, uh, you know, unrest around, you know, policing and police violence and stuff like that, we're going to cut police budgets. When in reality, it's just a budget cut that's going to have to happen as austerity sweeps over the, you know, the land, right? And every city has to establish an austerity budget, right? Um, there's just not going to be, police budgets are so overblown. There's just not going to be the money to keep them going. Well, you know, if, that's, if that ends up happening, then I then in a way that'll be a, vic- a real victory for 
the uprisings because uh, there's another possibility too in a different scenario where there is massive austerity. It is across the board except the cops and the cops funding goes up. Like we've mm. seen that already in Everett, you know, yeah, yeah, um, very sort of nakedly, um, you know, where everything else is cut, which is what we've had for the last, you know, 40 years. But um, specifically, you could see that in this crisis specifically, a lot of people will want to do that. If that doesn't happen, if, uh, you know, more sane uh, policy prevails, like, yeah, then that that'll in itself will be a victory, a small victory for the uh, f- for the Black Lives Matter movement, the defund movement. Yeah, I mean, the, the only problem would be that I, I think you need a conscious effort to defund the police because the problem is, you know, as we climb out of this crisis or whatever, it just means that the police budget will be the first thing that balloons. Again. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but I mean, there are cities, you know, Seattle, I think the police budget is like 30% of the budget. There are cities where it's approaching 50% of the budget and at that point. Like there's not a lot you can cut that isn't the police at that point and have like a functional city government Yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, Unfortunately, but, there is, there's at the same time, there's not going to be money to sort of build new, systems and services and oh, plans, yeah. you know, I mean, so, like, what to you replace could, it, to make like communities work without it. What you could see is cities buckle under austerity, which you know happens and has traditionally happened and all that, right? As cities buckle under austerity, as infrastructure goes to pot, as crime rises because people's living conditions are worse every day, all that kind of stuff. As that happens, that could be just used as another excuse for a law and order campaign as well, right? Yeah, so, in, you know, 2035, you know? Yeah. Uh, it'll be just more, even more right-wing law and order, you know? Yeah. It'll be, the problem isn't the fact that uh, the bridges, you know, a bridge collapses every rush hour randomly killing 30 people or that they're are no like health and human services departments in existence anymore. And disease runs rampant through every city as we are dealing with uh, the fifth COVID plague <laughs> to hit the United States, every other country in the world doing fine, but we're <laughs> in the fifth one. Uh, all the stadiums have been converted to corpse storage and stuff like that. And the response could very well be, this is because we cut the police budget. So we should go more austerity on everything else and just increase the police budget more. After all, they're going to need tracked vehicles to go over our roads now since they're all undrivable or unworkable, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> they're going to need tanks. Holy shit. <laughs> they really are. So. Oh my God. Um, I should point out, I should mention that like the only person to vote against this package was Shama, you know, um, holding out, uh, staying strong for a 50% defunding number. So shout out to Shama, of course. Um, yeah. Like I said, this is pretty, it's pretty weak ass shit. Um, when she did argue, this I is mean, essentially kind of, the mayor's plan. And Swat argued kind of to my point too, that basically that uh, the budget shouldn't be an austerity budget. The budget should be funding should go up for everything except the police, like yeah. only cuts to the police. Right, because again, this was the entire city budget for 2021 that they passed, which the mayor has indicated she will sign uh, a couple weeks from now. Doesn't matter, eight to one, so they can override her veto if it comes down to it. So, which means she'll pass again. The so it's the whole budget citywide. It's not just the cops. And again, what they did with the cops was ninety percent just Durkin's plan. Yeah. So, no reason for her to really veto it. This they got off pretty easy. So it's like baby, baby, baby steps in the right direction. 
Um, and Shama did the right thing, thing by saying that and voting as such. Um, but the foremost uh, member of the city council, the the uh, image not here. <laughs> yes, the uh, the cipher candidate, the the invisible councilman. Uh, we we go to him when we need like real like sage wisdom on this stuff. So I think Colin wanted to read us what he thought about this whole process. Yeah, this is in the Times, right? Yes. Yeah, so this was an opinion piece that they let him run on the twenty third, which I believe Greg you said was the day of the vote, right? I think As so. Yeah, the vote okay. was on Monday. Yep. Yeah, and it's titled "Positives, Negatives of Seattle Council Budget." Well, the man knows how to, well, I guess it's the Seattle Times does that, but they know how to put a headline together. I'm already <laughs> interested. <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand, but on the other hand, by Alex Peterson. <laughs> yeah, extremely Seattle. And this is, in case you needed to be reminded, this is special to the Times. Oh, don't got to tell me. In a statement to the media shortly after our budget committee last week, the other eight Seattle City Council members celebrated amendments made to Mayor Jenny Durkin's $6.5 billion proposal. Finalizing a budget feels like an achievement, especially given this year's challenges. A pandemic. A recession. A racial reckoning. (laughs) I remember that. Thank Uh you, Charles Manson. I survived the racial reckoning and all I got was this (laughs) t-shirt. The homelessness crisis. Wait, that was special this year? The West Seattle... (laughs) That's never happened before. (laughs) The West Seattle bridge closure. I I love that that's on equal footing with the pandemic. And an antagonistic... The racial reckoning. Yeah, exactly. And an antagonistic Trump administration, just so you know, he's on your team. Mm Mm-hmm. Yet... I did not feel like celebrating. Oh, he's doing uh, some story time now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put the NPR music on behind this. (laughs) The amended budget has substantial negatives. It shortchanges our bridge infrastructure, fails to revamp public safety with a plan, and reduces accountability for our response to homelessness, all while giving city council, city government, a pay increase instead of investing more in our most marginalized communities. Ultimately, I voted yes for the final package for reasons I'll discuss below. I like this. Uh, I voted for it, but let you know, because I am, uh, I never let me said I do not blow with the wind. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I've been told by Widmere that these are my problems. <laughs> uh, what a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, again like everything's just so removed everything's so mediated everything he says here is just like um reduces accountability for our response to homelessness <laughs> it's like what the f- like again like that's like three layers of like it's it has it's he's not saying we'll uh house less people or more yeah. people or whatever uh he's just completely full of shit as always first some key negatives short changes our bridge infrastructure i am thankful to voters who approved transit funding to maintain extra bus service now let's protect the bridge network those buses rely on to safely connect us the cracking and closure of the west seattle bridge should have been a wake-up call 
the audit of all Seattle bridges I requested confirmed many of our bridges <laughs> need more maintenance. <laughs> Yet this... <laughs> That audit gets done like every year. I like the one that I request. It's like, uh, we've known that the bridges are fucked for a long time, buddy. You yeah. requested a copy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were passing them. He saw them going around. And he's like, oh, excuse me. Uh, can I get one? Yeah. <laughs> Yet this budget excluded the fiscally responsible proposal to substantially increase investments to support our bridges. In a city defined by waterways and ravines, another forced bridge closure will stall multiple modes of transportation and our Mostly local cars. economy. Uh, but I mean, you know, like he, he's right. I mean, this is this is the American problem, right? Of yeah. All the infrastructure that we rely on is was built in the sixties. Yeah, and they, were, never and they been, used to pay for things. Yeah, it has never been fixed ever the, since. Well, look, the, look. The truth is, there's nothing the city can do about that shit. I'm sorry, yeah. like that shit was built by the federal government. Every last bit of it was dollars from yeah. the federal government. So no, we should. We're gonna. Sorry, it's, we're just gonna let it crumble. Well, because yeah, because of the very stupid way our government is organized, it, this is the way this stuff has always had to be repaired. Which is the city's gonna have to ask the state for money for it. The state's going to have to get that money from the federal government, and it'll go through this like very stupid, you know, pro like plinko machine of you know funding grants and things like that that eventually make their way back down to the city, usually you know with some sort of uh, loan involved and stuff as well, right? But that's how that's got to like the city literally just can't fund the crumbling infrastructure. It, it's too bad. Every single one of the bridges. It's too big. Yeah. Every single one of the bridges needs to be replaced. Like our city budget literally Guess cannot what? fucking The city of it. Seattle did not build the West Seattle bridge. Get, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And, and you know, and I will push back on the thing of like, uh, well, we don't need uh, car infrastructure anyways. But the problem is like, we have no alternative, like in literally no plan to build one. You know, like, so we can either repair the fucking bridge or do this other thing, but there's like nothing at this. There's there's literally nothing that can be done at this point about yeah. any of it. The infrastructure is going to fall apart. Like this, that, this that's where we're at. This Chirikov <laughs> wants the city to spend money on this shit. Yeah, you're fucking nuts. Yeah, you can't. You can't afford it. You literally cannot afford it. You'll never be able to afford it yeah. again. The city did not build this shit. Yeah, you'd have to basically, <laughs> you would have to confiscate. Which, you know, maybe I'm, I'm for this now, but you'd have to confiscate Amazon and completely liquidate it. And sure. then you again, use something that only the federal government of the United States could really do effectively. Yeah. But yeah, all I, all transportation infrastructure was built with federal dollars. Yeah. Either directly or indirectly through massive grants for that for decades. Yeah. Uh, this is silly. This is ridiculous. I mean, just come on. <laughs> the city, every bridge in the city needs to be replaced. I mean, could you imagine the fucking cost of that? Like, that you're going to find that in the city budget. Give me a break. Cuts before new safety plans. I strongly support more police reform and effective alternatives to traditional policing, such as... Mm. <laughs> I mean, already, uh, it's, it's got my bow tie spinning. I already feel like this is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> such as sending mental health professionals to help people in mental health crises but we need the plans in place first. Even after the Seattle Times analysis indicated our police department has fewer officers per capita than other cities, and after we learned highly trained officers are leaving at a faster rate, 
the council chose to permanently eliminate police officer positions without first finishing the formal community input processes created by the council and mayor. I love this because community input is a process that like uh, has no end. Essentially, Again, it's just so wishy-washy. Like he hasn't, the last sentence here is like, they haven't done the process. It's like, where do you actually stand? Like, He's just saying, I'm just saying it's just just off the top of my head. The data is uh, some cities have more cops per capita. Uh, and it's like, who care? Like, fuck off. Like, yeah, who care? <laughs> like, what are you where do you, are you saying you think we need more cops in Seattle? Because what you said at the top was I strongly uh, support more police reform and effective alternatives to traditional policing. Any effective alternative to traditional policing is going to mean less cops, dude. Yeah. Hence the term alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Instead of cops, something else. But it's the usual smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Basically just all he does is smoke and mirrors. Needs more study, which, you know, is politicians. The oldest thing. Yeah. The budget also sidesteps a real issue. The urgent need to revamp the unjust, inflexible and expensive police union contract. Redoing that contract is how we can save money, improve discipline honor good work of first responders and deploy unarmed professionals for lower priority calls to reduce harm. Police contracts are one of the keys to police reform, said Community Police Commission co-chair Reverend Aaron Williams at my budget town hall. When you're talking about (laughs) changing anything from the discipline of officers to them receiving pay, it all comes back to contracts. Yeah, I mean, I think on this show we'd agree the police union should be broken into a million pieces, but I suspect that we have a different motive behind it. Than, Again, he's uh, just uh, saying, Mr. Peterson here. All he's actually saying is this budget sidestepped that. Well, that is later, and the budget for 2021 is now. Mm-hmm. So he's just saying, like, it, it's he's literally just saying, well, you know, the real reform is going to be with the police contracts, so we shouldn't have done anything now mm-hmm. in the 2021 budget. We should wait to, you know, we should see what we can get out of the next police contract. Well, and part again, of- like, will you fucking argue for something, anything yeah. like he's just this is just throwing shit up against a wall. Like, mm-hmm. this well, is nothing. Part of the budget cut idea, too, right, is, I mean, this is, you know, the idea of like we're going to cut SPD's budget by some significant amount, preferably 50 percent. Right. Part of that is you're using a tool that's been used to, quite frankly, gut social institutions forever, which is you're forcing a crisis yeah, with the police union, exactly, basically, yeah. that will have to be resolved, right? As opposed to letting this continue yeah, to Yeah, as along. we discussed, they're now going into next year's, I believe, next year's renegotiation mm-hmm. with a much fucking stronger hand. Yeah. Because they have this budget that says all this shit and that cuts all these positions and that... Even, uh, you know, requests suggests uh, that they uh, be allowed to shit can 35 uh, officers out of order because they Mm. suck and need to not be cops. Yeah. And I mean, and it does open up the idea, right? I mean, not that the city would ever fucking do it, but it does open up the idea where the city could just say, like, you know, our budget says we got this much for the police. Your contract says you want this much. Oh, bye. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yep. I guess we're gonna have to walk away. Bye. Yep. Get out. You know, I mean, it would be very funny. You know, the police, uh, since the police are used to enforce like closed, you know, shop lockups and closed shops, or like it would be very funny to see the uh, you know police department just locked up in the morning when they'll show up and be like, "Oh, sorry." But uh, I mean, one thing that could come out of you know the 
austerity season that we're going to get to go through here is you could see right wing sort of politicians like Peterson and, you know, Republicans and other cities and stuff like that. You might see them attack the police union. I mean, it's not a lot of unions left in this country, right? And they, they might go after them. I mean, just out of the pure, insane ideology of like right wing anti-unionism and stuff. And, uh, and austerity. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, and also just conservatives are rats in a barrel. They will eat each other. Like if there's nothing else, they'll eat each other. And I mean, that is one of those funny things that you could see play out. Now, the thing will be on the left is not to fall into the trap of being like, got to support unions and go out and support your police union. Well, again, no, fuck again, them. let them eat each other again. This could <laughs> this could be the fruit that is born in this coming austerity crisis by the uprisings this year. Mm-hmm. If this inoculates this country and the left in particular against exactly that when as these like realities are emerging where every fucking municipality in America is going to be absolutely fucking strapped in this depression level catastrophe the what has happened over the last year with regard to police is going to have an effect on that now it's going to turn out different everywhere but it's not hard to imagine that 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 like that burden of these uprisings will be felt still that Mm -hmm. in places where maybe they might have cut otherwise without this, they may have cut all other services and increased police budgets by 10%. Maybe they'll keep police budgets flat in other places where they might have cut police, but kept police budgets flat. Maybe they'll cut them another 10% as part of their broader cuts and use it, you know, and, you know, uh, use it for cred with Black Lives Matter. Um, in places like Seattle, where there is like a sustained effort that even has some support in the city council, um, maybe they will actually use this as this crisis emerges to hammer out a better contract with the with Spog. It's worth noting that Peterson wouldn't be saying stuff like "I strongly support" right, know, exactly. Reform, stuff like that, if he didn't have data in front of him saying that ooh it turns out actually like a huge portion of Seattle now, ultimately reformed <laughs> ultimately it could add up yeah. to dog shit in the end i mean we still yeah. may get crushing sure. austerity and the boot of the police state it's it's the know, most but, likely scenario yeah but this is there is an opportunity that has opened up and yeah. like i said i mean peterson wouldn't be saying stuff like this again like saying this you know i do believe in police reform and all that if that wasn't the popular position Right. right. If the popular position was uh, actually Seattle needs more police, we love our cops, then he would not give an inch to Black Lives Matter or anything like that. He'd be saying there, which, you know, you see in like some right wing cities. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. They're, you know, mass terrorists or whatever and all this shit. So yeah. but this shows that that must be the popular. position. Well, he has to include that line in his like mm-hmm. gobbledygook in his yeah. word salad of nonsense where he really takes no position except like that he's actually against cutting any money from SPD. He still has to insert this, which is, you know, again, maybe in the end adds up to fuck all, but sure. It's, it's another step forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything else is worse, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's how it is. Moreover, expanding accountability reforms requires ample staffing for supervision and community policing. Boo, fuck off, fuck (laughs) off. This is so fucking tired. Shut the fuck up. Get rid of every 
all management level at SPD. <laughs> Only people working for SPD should be beat cops. And that's yeah. it. Uh, they actually have to form an anarchist co-op if they want to continue existing. They should all report to the school board yeah. for their daily assignments. Yeah. Okay. Yet council's amendments cement a sharp reduction in officers before proven alternatives are in place. I'm concerned mm-hmm. the remaining the alternative is less cops. The yeah. Remaining officers will be stretched thin and responding late. Good. Our, our for, former police chief, Carmen Best, was clear. I do not believe we should ask the people of Seattle to test out a theory. Crime goes away if police go away. That is completely reckless. And again, I mean, this is just more of the smokes and mirrors stuff. And that one, I mean, you could obviously turn this on Carmen Best and say, so you're asking us to test out a theory that crime goes away when we add more police. By the way, a theory that's been proven wrong. So at least at least the less police theory is not proven wrong yet, right? Uh, but at the same time, I mean, again, just so much more bullshit of like the, you have to have a, a proven alternative out there as if you have to have two parallel criminal justice systems in existence before you can choose which one works and which one doesn't, right? I mean, it's just basically arguing that re- you actually can't do reform. It's impossible. You literally have to invade a country yeah. <laughs> and build it from, like, we have to filibuster a country somewhere that we don't like to, uh, you know, to rebuild in an, as an abolitionist paradise, just to show it's possible. Is that, we have to do empire. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. But yeah. And you know, the other part of it too, which I think it's one of the things that people should prepare themselves for, because it's definitely going to happen is we, we know the data, which again, this is the smoke and mirrors whenever they talk about 911 response times, which is that most calls to 911 actually don't require police at all. Like have nothing to do with policing. Uh, but, I fully expect SPD to do a little uh, work strike on 911 calls and basically sit on them, particularly in neighborhoods that they blame for, you know, what's, ha- you know, what's the budget cuts to SPD or whatever. Right. So like uh, central district areas like that. Um, I do expect that the police are, are going to probably squat and not respond to 911 calls and drive up the response times. Uh, and then they'll try and use that as an excuse to increase their budget and you just got to tell them to fuck off. Like, you know, the council and our next mayor needs to be ready to tell them to shut the fuck up. Yeah. To fire as many chiefs as it takes. When if reduced, and wouldn't that be a great way to reduce the number of SPD cops to just keep <laughs> firing interim chiefs? It's like, like once becoming, a week. It's like becoming an officer in starship troopers. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> no, it is like you get promoted and then you you know you have to walk the plank a week later because you won't fucking follow orders and you keep saying stupid shit. That's how this should go down until mm. they're down to like uh, they're down to sergeants like running the department. And it's like, oh great, we'll just actually manage the department uh, with c- actual civilian managerial control, not cops. Mm-hmm. Cops can be uh, the people on the beat. Well, the people I, sitting eating fast food in their cars, and that is a political choice the city can make, right? Is they can Absolutely. make a, they can make a spectacle out of the police department and basically, yeah, line up a fucking chief every week to fucking fire and publicly be like, you know, we're giving SPD orders, they're refusing to do it. So here's the next chief we're firing, right? Which would build support for things like maybe it needs public like ownership, right? It needs like a public uh, board in charge of it, and yeah, things like that. But you you know whatever. There's a whole you need to build actual like working class power that can form if you want to do these kinds of reforms in municipalities that can form 
a movement that can form a political party that can staff this kind of shit and do basically like uh, patronage, yeah, <laughs> like for, with, with political ends. But whatever. <laughs> Reduces accountability for homelessness response. At a time when homelessness appears to be growing, a majority of my council colleagues unfortunately used the summer and fall budgets to dismantle our city's interdepartmental navigation team that engaged with unauthorized This is the accountability? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. What a fucking utter fraud this piece of shit is. Well, and I love the, you know, for a guy that's all about accountability and all that shit and proven alternatives or all that shit, what uh, proof is the navigation team did anything other than fucking shunt people from one location to another? Right? We're talking about cops here. The oh, I know. least accountable fucking people yeah. in America. Yeah. What are you talking about? You utter disgusting fraud. Yeah. And again, like, you know, you know, unfortunately, they use the budgets to get rid of this thing that has never fucking worked for its stated purpose. Now, we know what its real purpose was, but never worked for its stated purpose. Although I do love that he talks about how they they engaged with unauthorized homeless encampments as opposed to all the authorized homeless yeah. encampments that the city allows, right? Dope, <laughs> you know? dope dude. Yeah, fuck off, man. <laughs> Didn't that cut happen simultaneously with the regional... The regional Yeah, group. the new regional authority. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically. Yeah. Again, he's just throwing shit up again. He's just yeah. like, this is just chum. This is just a bucket of fucking chum mm-hmm. that is in like, I don't know. That's almost like wrong, though. He, he's trying to chum the water just with a bunch of random like mm. fish heads, but none of them have any pungence. You know, well, like this is, this is not going to draw any kind of kind of a crowd to it. This is no one is like getting riled up by this. He's trying to just throw out all this like confusing back and forth nonsense, but it, it's also fucking bland. Well, that and it's, it's, uh, it's Jenny Durkin's letter to the city council about Shamus wants many like calumnies against her. Right. You know, it's, it's all of his grievances, but just hidden in this like bullshit fucking, uh, like mealy mouth language. But I mean, the main read it's utter passivity. Is, yeah. Yeah. And his position is, I want more cops and I want the police rousting the homeless. Like that's their function, right? That That's the two reads that we have so far <laughs> on this. Instead, I believe we need to allocate more resources to our human services department to track and evaluate the effectiveness of such changes so we can ensure we are truly helping people. So again, just the resources, instead of going to homeless people or anything like that, the resources all need to be eaten up by uh, bullshit accountability projects that really do nothing but sit on their hands and make graphs every six months. So why did I vote yes? People are yearning for functional government. If the budget does not pass, nothing gets done. No budget. Uh, you still could have voted no. It would have passed, dude. <laughs> no budget is perfect. Our constituents have diverse and conflicting views. Are these sentences related? A budget <laughs> with positives and negatives is a natural result. I like this. Uh, wow, people, what a fucking dork. People believe different things. Budgets have positives and negatives. <laughs> I, like you know, the yin those, and the yang. Yeah. The, the, the ebb and flow of the universe. Yeah, this rules. What a fucking weird <laughs> dork. This budget benefits every council district, including benefits to Northeast District 4, which I represent. 
So now we're into real tiny bullets here. Allocates funding to examine the aging university bridge. My man loves examining bridges. He's all yeah. about that shit. Well, again, I mean, the funny part about this stuff, though, is I I feel like every year in the Seattle Times, I read a report on the bridges in the city. And every year the report is, hey, they're all failing. I don't know what I, I this is. This it's, is like it, a, it's a thing he can get out and do. And like no, this is COVID response stuff. It's looking uh-huh. like you're doing something while doing nothing about the fact that it's all crumbling around you. You can go put on a safety vest and like go look at a bridge mm-hmm. with some Department of Transportation people, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, he has to find a new place to hole up for the next hundred years. <laughs> um, next bullet requires an assessment of nine one one response times as our police department changes. Yeah, like I said, expect the expect the police to uh, sit on their thumbs for fucking that shit, and, yeah, uh, and that to become a huge talking point over the next year. Regardless <laughs> of the positives or negatives. City Hall must work together to make sure the budget invests your tax dollars in a sustainable and effective manner to produce positive outcomes for all of Seattle. Basically, you know what's great about this is like, he's basically saying like, I voted, even though, you know, I didn't like everything in this bill, I voted yes, because government has to function, even though it didn't need my vote to pass. Because the only person who voted against it was Shama Swant. And really, I think spiritually, this this whole line is a dig at her. Uh, no, it's not spiritually a dig at her. <laughs> it is literally a dig at her. Why don't you read the last line there, Colin? Oh, is there more? Yes, there's, there's one more little paragraph here. And to my constituents who ask, why did you vote the same way as Shama Swant? I didn't. She voted no. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. So uh, I called that. But um, is he saying maybe this is like an anecdote he's had or like, is he <laughs> saying because the headline will be everywhere city council slashes 20 percent from SPD budget that he's going to get that, you know, like, oh, you voted for the Sawant cutting SPD. And it's the joke is actually she's the one who voted against it. That's pretty. He's, he's actually kind of onto something there. That is kind of funny. I mean, it's funny, but I think it it points to what is actually going to happen here, which is, uh, and it is already happening, which is that every, particularly the conservative members of the Seattle City Council, but on some level, like every member of the Seattle City Council is simply going to run on not being Shama Salant, right? Which we saw in the last council race, and Alex Peterson in the last council race, you know, despite running against another actual human being. All of his campaign material was about Shama Sawat, right? And I mean, yeah, I think it literally is just a ticky tack way of saying, uh, just so you know, me and me and Sawant, we differed in our vote. Like she voted one way, I voted the other, right? And I think that's just going to be, it'll probably be on a scorecard in the next council election. It'll just be like, uh, so I voted against Sawant, you know, ninety nine percent of the time or whatever, right? We'll be well, like the the headline on their stuff. I mean. Yeah, it, 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 that is the aisle. This is the actual like aisle down the city council. There's the Democrats on one side and Shama Swan on the other. I mean, that's how she puts it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Hey, cool. Cool. Thanks, Alex. Old buddy, old pal. What a pile <laughs> of shit. Well, well, cynically, that last comment, I think he's being serious. I suspect that people are approaching him because... 
Nobody mm-hmm. is following local politics in any real way. No one knows how anyone voted. No one probably knows any other council member besides their own and Shamaswan. So we have a pretty ignorant, honestly, population with respect to what's going on uh, in with these votes. So yeah, we have a much more mentally healthy population than say ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, to some degree, because most of them are just jerking off to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden yeah. or whatever, or yeah. like, you know, screaming into the TV about Air, Air Cheeto and all his transgressions for the last four years while the bridges fall apart and piers literally fall into the water while people are working on them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this has been another exciting episode of Seattle Sucks. Uh, we do have a new patron, right, Colin? Yeah, we do. Gunner Zippy, welcome to the fold. Or a new freak emerges into the <laughs> hallowed halls of freakdom. Hell yeah. There's a sucker born every two or three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to be a, a cool guy like Gunner Zippy, uh, you know, feel free to go over to our Patreon account. <laughs> Give us money. <laughs> yeah, feel free. Anytime. It's just that easy. It is. It is. <laughs> There's content there. Mm-hmm. We have such content to show you. Yeah, exactly. Hey, like for instance, that time that we got eight other people together in a room uh, when you could still do that sort of thing and watched Battle in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a movie I do not recommend and on second watch was also not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is a Patreon episode that we have since released wide and you can watch it for now. The, uh, an anniversary, I guess I think that's today, right? 21. So, you know, it'll be not that anymore, but you know, the battle in Seattle old enough to drink. We yeah, watched it for the 20, it's 21 20th run. anniversary. It's 21 years old. Now you can listen to that episode. Um, we talk all about it and the stupid movie battle in Seattle. Yeah. So enjoy with it. some pretty uh, interesting and knowledgeable people. Yeah, with uh, people who uh, I think one person was even there, yes, as well as uh, somebody who's a two people, battle more in than Seattle. more than one. Two so, yeah. people were there, I think. So, Maybe two. so exciting stuff. All right. Well, thanks, Gunner Zippy, and uh, everybody else. Feel free to follow Gunner's lead and uh, give us money. We need money, Greg. He's run out of Lacroix and La Cola. He needs to be, you know, living the lifestyle he's become accustomed to. Uh, so go oh, out. wait, I was going to give the wassail recipe. Oh, I did in the Patreon. Okay, guys, if you want this year's uh, holiday beverage recipe in time for the month of December and all its festivities, I guess you'll just have to turn into the Patreon. I wanted to give it out to everybody, but Brian said no. So said no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Now that now that that's happened, we should say bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>